We, uh, last week we started a series in the book of Galatians, and uh, today I want to continue that series. And the book of Galatians is an amazing, it's an amazing book. Um, it's really, it really deals with the foundations of freedom, the foundations of freedom. And last week we covered the, the differences between perspectives of what freedom really is. To one person, freedom might be, well, I don't have any rules. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live how I want. I'm going to enjoy my life. It's my life, and that's all that matters. To another, freedom might be, especially in the religious realm, freedom might be, I've obeyed all the rules, and, and I'm free. I'm, I'm clean between me and God, and I've done all the right things. And each of those bring their own set of problems. We all know that. We all know that. But the kind of freedom that the book of Galatians presents isn't in either of those realms. It's not in either of those realms. The kind of freedom that Galatians presents is uh, found only in a a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. A life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm trying to articulate that and emphasize that because... You can be in church and not have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. You understand that, right? You can be in this church or you could be, like if you think of the, in the days of Jesus' the time that he walked the earth, he, he came across the most religious people. They were trying to do their best. They, they dedicated their entire lives to doing what they knew at that time was right. And yet he had some very harsh words for them because their hearts were far from him. You know, uh, uh, they honored him with their lips. They honored God with their lips, but, but they didn't really know him. They didn't understand his heart. They missed it through religion, you know. So I, I don't want to be a Pharisee. And sometimes we could deviate to one area or another. We could be Pharisaical or religious. Or we can be, you know, we can be in a place where we, we live in the flesh. We, we do the things that we want even though we know that it, it violates God's best for us, you know? And so, yes, last week, I'm sorry, last Sunday, we talked about this concept of freedom and how it's found best in a relationship with Jesus Christ. How, how um, Paul writes this, he writes this book on his first as a result of his first missionary journey, it's the first book he wrote, and it's just loaded with passion because um, the reality is he was writing to people that truly had a heart for God, that loved Jesus. But somehow, some way, uh, and we don't know the exact timing of it, but after he left them, people came in and began to teach them that, the Jesus, that having Jesus is not enough. Being in relationship with Jesus Christ is, is not enough. You need Jesus plus this. You know? You, in that case, they were called, these people were called Judaizers. And they were trying to tell the Christians in this Galatian region, in these various churches, that you need, you need to be born again through Jesus Christ. But you also, the born again experience includes circumcision. And if you're not circumcised, you're not really saved. And they were trying to bring in some of the old with the new. You understand that? We, a lot of us do that. A lot of us do, like, we, we give our lives to Jesus, but we bring in aspects of our old life. 
We bring in some of the things we've always done, and we, and we, we guise it under some, some lame excuses, which I'm going to talk about uh, today as we look at Galatians 2. Um, but, but I want you to see this, and I hope you read this book as we, as we go through this series, that um, today I, I want to talk to you about, the title of my message is this, Your Past Does Not Define You. How, to how many in this room is, is that good news? Your past doesn't define you. The things that you've experienced, the things that you've done, the things that you've gone through, the choices you made, does not define you today. There's something, that, there's something better that defines you. And so, you know, when we talk about freedom, this is going to be sort of the theme through the entire book of Galatians. This concept of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But he wants us to experience a true freedom and not something that, you know, is, is some made-up freedom in man's eyes. And, and let me just describe for you what this could look like, you know, um, because I have a story that I want to tell you that I think you'll find uh, eye-opening. You know, the reality is sometimes we go from a place of, of living in the true freedom that Jesus offers you know, you're enjoying the Lord, you're worshiping God, you're, you're, you're hearing His voice, you're enjoying true fellowship with people around you. You know, there's a, there's a freedom to, to uh, encounter Jesus in the presence of God in your life, you know. There's something amazing about that. And, and you know, you, you go from that to a place where, you know, and I don't know how this works. Why this happens? I mean, it'd be amazing to just stay in that realm all the time. You understand? But there's a tension. There's a tension that we have. And, and sometimes we flip over to the other side where, you know, our old life creeps in. Our old ways creeps in. We get angry. We get judgmental. We get critical. Right? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm speaking to myself. I, I get angry. You know? I, I have these things, uh, you know, we have these things from our old lives that have yet to be defeated. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Addictions can be something that we're, we're experiencing, you know, or that just that one nagging sin that, you know, we get victory, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, it just comes back again, and we're like, ugh, I hate that. I I wish I could walk in true freedom. You know? I remember one day my wife and I, we uh, just had, it was a great day. Fridays are our day. We, we spend the day together. It's our day, it's our day off together. And um, we made an appointment to visit this couple that uh, really ha- has a very powerful work in the city of Syracuse. And we wanted to just hear from them, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to just hear about their work and, and talk to them and meet them really in person for the first time. So uh, this Friday, we're just having a great day and we go to this appointment and we're at these, this, this couple's place of ministry and it was just powerful. We went there to just hear their story, but they ended up ministering to us. They, they were prophesying over us. They were, um, you know, they were speaking you know, they were, just, they were just telling us what they saw, how they saw God using us and, and talking about, you know, the things that they were hearing from God for us. It was just very powerful. 
It was just a move of God. And, and you could sense the presence. It was a joyous time, you know. And, I mean, our mouths were, like, dropped because we, this shocked us. We weren't expecting this at all. Well, we get out of the, uh, of the meeting, and my wife said something to me. I don't even know what it was. It was probably something so stupid, and, and it should have had no impact on me, but it had an impact on me. And I remember just getting so mad about it. And I mean, that whole time of, of God pouring out His Spirit and experiencing just the goodness of God was ruined by me being upset about something stupid. And it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't even something that should have made me mad. You know, my wife doesn't really have harsh words, you know. But it, for whatever reason, it just got under my skin and I got irritated. And like uh, uh, 20 minutes later, she's, she's like, you know, that whole moment in the presence of God and what God was doing was ruined. Was ruined because you got upset over something stupid. And I'm like... Uh, you know, you can go, and Peter proves this to us, you can go from some of the highest points spiritually and the, and the greatest places spiritually back into the flesh so easily. Do you understand that? Do you understand that, you know, are, are we, we need to be people who keep an eye on those things. That shouldn't have, that shouldn't have happened. I was wrong, you know. But, but looking back, I could say, you know, I'm doing my best to be different now by trusting God for something to overcome that kind of attitude. You know, we talk about being unoffendable and not being offended and, and not carrying offenses and, and forgiving people. But that's not just like, uh, you know, um, it's not just a mental decision. It's something about depending on the spirit of God, Right? It's something about depending on the Spirit to change us. We're not talking about change, only changing your behavior. It's about tapping into the Spirit. And so as we look at chapter 2 today, I, I want to just talk about how, how we can live this out where our past doesn't define us. And there's a, there's a scripture that I want to I touch upon um, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It's sort of encapsulates the idea of what Paul's talking about here. And I'm going to read it to you in the message. If you were to read the NIV, which is our normal version of Scripture that we read here, um, the NIV talks about how people can be justified or made right before God. And, and he says, Paul's writing to this, these churches, and he says, you, you can't be justified by works of the law. You can't be made right by doing the right things all the time or obeying the law. You can only be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, The message puts it in a little bit more plain words, so that's why I want to read it to you. It says, we know very well, this is Galatians 2.16, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know this, or how do we know? We tried it. This is what Paul's saying. We tried it. We tried to keep all the rules, and it didn't make us right before God. And we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. What is that best system of rules? It was the law. It was 613 uh, laws or commands that they had to obey, the Jews, 
had to obey in that day. In fact, I, I want to just share something on the side with you. I, uh, I was with my family somewhat recently, and uh, one of my, someone in my family is dating uh, a Jew, and he, he's a young guy, and, and I remember meeting him and hearing, hearing from him, and he's like, it's really hard to obey all of those, all of those laws. And I'm thinking of myself, I mean, I just, I, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. In fact, I was very kind with him, but I'm thinking, uh, that's why Jesus came, because you can't, you know? That's why Jesus came. You can't obey all those. And so this is what Paul's saying. He's like, we tried it. And, and we had, you know, we had the system of rules that was already established. It goes on to say, convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. I want to tell you, you can do your best at trying to be a self-improver. You can read all the books out there. The reality is the way to be right before God and the, re- the way to be f- truly free is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that. And let me tell you something. In your own strength, you can get better at things. You, you can. You know, you wanna, you're not good at finances. You want to get good at finances? You can read a book and get good at finances. But I'm telling you, as it relates to uh, being right before God, you cannot do it on your own. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He came to make us free. He came to make us free. And, and I want to just get into the main passage that I want to cover today. Because, um, you know, I've heard people say this. You know, there's got to be some value to being a good person. There's got to be some value to God. You know, I've heard, but but they're a good person. How could could they be judged before God? There's got to be some value to being good. And the reality is, apart from Jesus Christ, we are in trouble. We need him. You understand? We need him. And this is why Paul goes into this, this passage in Galatians 2.20. This is the main passage I want to cover. It says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul's secret. You want to know Paul's secret for being right before God? For walking in true freedom and victory, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified. It doesn't mean he went on the cross. I've been crucified with Christ. I've, I've associated my life with what Christ has done. Christ died on the cross. I'm dying to my old ways. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. It's such a powerful passage. What he's saying is to be Christian is to live a crucified life. Do you understand? It's not to be Christian. All it takes is to pray a prayer. To be Christian is to lay down your ways. Amen? It's to lay down who you once were and live for Christ. I think, it, I think this whole Christian thing gets cheapened by the fact that, you know, all you have to do is pray a prayer. The reality is, it, it's a call to die to our ways and live to his ways. Do you understand? 
I know this may not be the most, most popular style of message, you know, but the reality is it is the one that will propel you into the true freedom that Christ offers more than any other message. We need to, we need to be people who die. And the truth is, when we, tru- when we accept Christ, when we are in Christ, our old lives are gone. This is why in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. What is the old? It's your old life. It, it's gone. It's laid down. It, we get this, this picture of this through baptism. When, when, why do you think we're baptized, when we're baptized, we go under the water? That's symbolic of a grave. I want you to know that. There's, there's symbolism of us, water cleanses, but also going under the water. There, there goes that old gym. And up comes that, that gym resurrected in the newness of life like Jesus. That old gym was left under the water. The, the newness of life comes up. I'm, I'm made alive in Christ. This is why Paul says, I have been crucified. Romans 6 talks about this. I have been crucified with Christ. I don't live. The, the old me doesn't live anymore. But Christ is now alive in me. Do you see this? And so this is a have been. This is a past event. When, when you surrendered your life to God... My wife was talking about the sin nature being broken, the thing that controlled you, the thing that ruled your life, the inability to live a life that honors God was, was put to death. The sin nature's broken. Now the sins that you do in Christ are your choice. Because something still needs to die. So it says, I don't live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So something happened way back when, when we gave our lives to Jesus. And now today, I'm living by faith in the Son of God. John said, oh no, excuse me, Paul said this. He said, I die daily. See, what happened is, what happened was, you know, there's something about you that died in the Spirit, by the Spirit. This is not your doing. You can't muster up enough energy. You can't muster up enough willpower to die to your old ways apart from Christ. But something in you died, and something needs to continue to die. The reality is, if those things are not dying... We're still riddled with sins that should have been left in the, in, in the baptismal water years ago. That's why they say, forgive me, I'm sure the statistic is wrong but, uh, because I don't remember it. But they say up to 80% of men struggle with pornography in the church. That's why, you know, that's why we have no problem if we gossip. We have no problem watching horrible movies with uh, deep sexual scenes and, and vulgar language and things that take the name of the Lord in vain. It doesn't matter to us because, you know, that's just the ways of the world. We're open to the ways of the world. The reality is if, 
if salvation is real to us and the Spirit is alive in us, we should be dying to things and becoming more like Jesus. I mean, what kind of salvation is it if it costs us nothing? Now, I want to be clear about this. You don't have to, it shouldn't cost you, you don't have to pay for your salvation. You receive it freely. But the reality is there should be some sacrifice on your part. Something has to change. If you're not different today than when you first gave your life to Jesus, I'd be curious, what really happened that day? You know, if there's no personal sacrifice involved, like it didn't cost me anything, some will say salvation is free, but discipleship costs you everything, like growing in Christ, because we begin to lay down our lives. We become different by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice that Jesus made. And, and, and there's a day that we're living that we will stand before Jesus, you know. You understand that? And we should be ready. We should be ready to stand before him knowing that, you know what, I lived fully surrendered to you. Listen to me, the theme of today is not an accident. There wasn't like some meeting that we planned about surrender or about Um, you know, laying down our lives or giving everything to God. God is doing something powerful here. I I want you to know that that God is calling us to a deeper sense of surrender. And the key is the Holy Spirit. When we wake up, you know, maybe, maybe your struggle is, you know, your language. You can die to that. Do you understand that? Maybe your struggle is how you treat your spouse. Or how you uh, have this broken relationship and all you do is talk about so-and-so. You know, maybe your siblings, you know, there's this big division between you and your siblings. And, uh, you know, you could be the source of it. The reality is nothing's going to get fixed until we surrender our lives to Jesus and die to our ways and live to his. You know, I, I, I feel like there's so much of the world in the church, and we're okay with it. We're okay with it. It's, you know, it's just like, well, that's just normal now. We might as well just be like the world and just have church every Sunday and go live our lives the way we always live them. We're no different. The church is called, it's, it's, it's called to be different, to be called out from the world. And the only way we can walk this out is by dying to our ways and living to his. Do you understand? I've seen such radical things happen in people's lives when they truly surrender to him. I've seen people that are addicted set free in a moment. You know? I've seen people that had, that had struggles relationally, struggles with trust, struggle, uh, you know, inner, inner issues that uh, relate, that, the challenge, uh, how they relate to people because they don't trust anyone, they're not open. I've seen people so change when they encounter the truth of God. And it really comes down to us living out this crucified life. You know, many of us live like we haven't been crucified. But the Bible says that we've, we, we, we should put on the new and take off the old. You know, in so many different ways in the epistles, Paul writes... Put on Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. Uh, take off the old, the old man. You know, 
We're, we're, we're called to be different. And so Galatians is saying, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, there's many, many famous people that would write about dying to their old ways. I want to just give you a few quick quotes. The first one, I don't, I'm assuming we'll be able to put them on the screen. The first one is by Thomas A. Kempis. He says, and I've shared these with you before, the more a man dies to himself, the more he begins to live unto God. You see, the, the flesh and our ways can't coexist with God's ways. Do you understand that? The second one by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Die to our ways. Die to our old self. That, that's why our past doesn't have to define us, because we died to it. Do you understand that? I remember... Um, when I first got saved, I had these friends. They, we called ourselves the Party Five. We, we always hung out. We did all kinds of stuff together. But after I got saved and I came and, and tried to relate to them in the same way as I did before, I couldn't because things were different. I changed. I was different. I, I was a different person because so many things in me died. And I was trying to relate to them. And we were, we, we were still like friends, but... We couldn't spend the time together that we used to. I, I changed so much, and I didn't realize it as a young Christian, but like, wow, this isn't working the way it used to. I'm not the same person. Something's wrong with this relationship now. And, you know, over time, even though we're still friends, we drifted that kind of friendship, that type of friendship we drifted away from. We, I wasn't the same person anymore. Here's another quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, I have now concentrated all my prayers into one, that I might die to self and live wholly to him. Here's these mighty men of God understanding that to pursue Christ, to walk with Christ, to be led by his spirit, something has to change. Something has to change in us. Here's the last one, Martin Luther. But there's many more that I could share with you. Until a man is nothing, God could make nothing out of him. I love what John the Baptist said. In a, in a similar context, Jesus is baptizing more and, and, and on the move and calling disciples to himself. And one of his disciples came to him and said, Jesus is doing all this stuff. John the Baptist says, he must increase. I must decrease. He must, he must ascend to his place that God has called him to. I've fulfilled my role, and I'm, I'm on the decline as far as what my role was, why I'm here. That, that is such a powerful statement. He must increase. I must decrease. And, and many of us, we've come into this room, you know, we, even though we don't like the fact that we've, we've compromised our lives, you know, we, we've compromised in sin, and sometimes we don't even call it sin anymore. It's just a hang-up, you know. Maybe we call it a genetic thing. Well, hey, I'm Irish. You know, Irish people get angry, or whatever. I, I don't know if that's the, is that, is that a true statement? Or my mom and dad were always full of anger, and I, I get angry too. And, and we try and write it off as something that is, is okay, or, you know, I have alcoholism in my my life, and, and I do that too, but I love Jesus. Listen, you need to die to that. There's, there's something that needs to change in you. Maybe your struggle is some form of addiction. 
It could be eating. It could be spending. It, it, it could be looking at things you shouldn't look at. It could be watching things or listening to things you shouldn't look at. You know, the reality is it's, it, there's a call to die to things. This is what the gospel is. We, we want to experience the benefits of the gospel, but we don't want to live in the fulfillment of what the gospel calls us to. Jesus says that we need to take up our cross daily and follow him. You understand? I, I don't want to apologize for being passionate because I am passionate about this. I see too many people struggle. I see too many people just go in these cycles, you know, where they're doing good and then they're doing bad and they fell again and they're struggling again. And the reality is they have failed to die to that thing. We all, everyone in this room has something to die to. I'm telling you right now. Every one of us in this room. I want to share one more verse with you. I see the time is getting, uh, is getting late. I want to share one more verse with you. And I want to encourage you to read through Galatians. There's some powerful statements um, that are there. Uh, but actually, I'm just going to share this last verse here. First uh, John chapter 2. It says here, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. You see that? Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Paul goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen to me. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. But, but that season is over. God is calling us to put our passions and desires of the flesh behind us and live wholeheartedly for him. And like I said, I've seen people in, in, in a snap of a finger get set free from the, some of the deepest, darkest addictions in their lives. But the reality is, every one of us in this room know that there's something we need to, we need to die to today. There's something we need to die to today. You know? And this is how we become more like Jesus. It looks like this. What does dying to something look like? It looks like this. You know, maybe if your issue is gossip, it could look like this. You know what, Lord? I spoke about that person and it was wrong. And I, I'm going to ask you to help me no longer do that again. And, and maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and say, Lord, you know... Um, I, I want to I live through today. I want to die to my tendency to gossip about people. I, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I had a bad attitude today when I saw so-and-so. Lord, I, I want to just ask you to help me. I want to I die to, I want to I put that thing behind me. And I want to have a good attitude. I, I want to I encourage that person and I want to love that person the way you do when I, see, when I see her or when I see him. Because I confess to you, I, I, the attitude that's coming out of me is not reflective of you. And what if, it's, what, if it's a, what if it's something heavier, you know? What if you lie? You know, one of the things that we, we so quickly pass off nowadays is, well, I just, you know, I shaded the truth. You know, sometimes we, we, we lie subtly to position ourselves better in the eyes of someone, or maybe it's because of financial gain. 
or something like that so that we can gain an advantage. The reality is Satan is a liar and the father of lies. We don't want to be like him. I'd rather tell the truth and have it cost me a million times before I lie once or even shade the truth. And so this could look like, Lord, you know, I, I recognize that I have, I, have, I have spoken untruthfully in my past and I ask you to forgive me. And from now on, Lord, I, I want you to know that I am going to do my best. I ask you by your spirit to help me walk in the freedom of telling the truth. Lord, I, I've been looking at stuff that I shouldn't be looking at. For many, many years, this thing has gripped me. This has controlled me. And I ask you to set me free. I want to be free from the things that are, are drawing my eyes and my passions and my desires. And I ask you to set me free. And then each day, Lord, I thank you. That, I'm, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to being angry to pe- at people. I'm dead to looking at pornography. I'm dead to having a, a filthy mouth. You know, I'm dead to being a liar. And we need, to, we need to put these things behind us. The world is waiting to see a church that's been transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the world's not waiting to see a church that looks just like it. You understand? Like, we can be different. This is what Paul's getting at. That he says, I die daily. I, I put to death the deeds of the flesh. The, the things that my eyes want to see. The, the material possessions I want to own, the, the things that um, my, my flesh desires, the passions my flesh desires to have and, and go after, I'm going to put those to death. The boastful pride of life. You know, that is the thing that costs Satan his position. We need to look at that. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen, I can't list every sin this morning. The reality is, there's some things in this room that we need to die to. It's a call to die. The Christian life is a call to die to the things that rule us. If there's 150 people in this room, there's 150 different things that we need to die to. And we're going to trust the Spirit to lead us and show us, what does Jesus look like in this situation? How can I live for him? How can I honor him and become more like him? Amen? And so I'm going to pray as you stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're caught up in some form of strong addiction. You feel like there's no way I can gain victory over it. Listen to me. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were crucified. He says, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. That thing has been crucified. And now it's up to you to keep it crucified. Give it to him. The Spirit of God will lead you in victory. I promise you. This is what the Word of God tells us, that we can walk in victory. We can be free in Jesus Christ. This is the foundation of what Galatians is talking about, that the freedom, true freedom in our lives comes through Jesus Christ and an intimate relationship with him. Amen? Let's just pray together. Father, today... We come, God, and we stand before you, Lord, today and say, God, that we need you. Apart from you, we can do nothing, God. And by your spirit, Lord God, Father, I ask, Lord, that you come and begin to speak to us about things that you're trying to lead us into victory over, God. You're trying to help us to be free from, Lord. 
You're trying to make us more like Jesus in, God. Lord, today, God, we ask, Father, for a move of your spirit, Lord. A move of your spirit, Lord. I was thinking about, in the book of Chronicles, the prayer, the, the statement, I believe it was Solomon, that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. And God, I, I pray for the church here at Faith Chapel. God, I pray that we can be people, Lord, that humble ourselves that seek your face, that turn from our wicked ways. God, I ask for victory in this place over bondages, over addictions, over things, Lord, that have plagued us, over things that we think we can never walk in victory over, God. I pray a quickening by your spirit, Lord, that you would lead us into victory, God. Lord, you're calling us higher. You're calling us to leave behind the deeds of the flesh. John said that that we should be bearing fruit, of repentance, Lord God, that there would be fruit in our lives, God, of turning away from the old and putting on the new, Lord, the new life in Jesus. And so I thank you for that. I bless your people. I pray that, Father, each day we would would turn to you and say, God, I cannot do this apart from you, apart from your spirit. Come and give me victory. I die to these things, Father. And so I bless your people today. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We will have people here that are happy to pray for you. If you want to talk about some struggles you've had, if you need healing for any reason, our ministry team will be here and would love to pray for you. Let's be the kind of church that walks in the victory that has been made available to us. Amen? God bless you guys.